What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, we're not millionaires this morning, but there are a couple of guys that earned quite a bit of cash last night in the NBA draft. It was another good night for Kentucky basketball. Now, the first lottery picks weren't there, but overall, Kentucky's still right there tied for the top for the most picks in the draft. Yep, tied with Arizona and Duke, I believe, right, with three picks? Yeah. So, yeah, Nick Richards, uh, well, I guess I'll go ahead and go in the order. Uh, Tyrese Maxey probably slipped a little bit, Sean, I think, compared to where everybody had him. He went 21st to the Philadelphia 76ers, and then just a few picks later, I mean, quickly was selected by the Thunder and then traded to the New York Knicks where he'll reunite with Kenny Payne, uh, Kevin Knox. Um, well, I guess he didn't play with Knox, but other Kentucky Cats, uh, Kevin Knox and also Julius Randle. And then um, I thought somewhat high for some of his projections, Nick Richards. Went 42nd overall to the Pelicans, and then he was traded to the Hornets. Yeah, and, you know, you and I were talking about quickly and if he would be able to sneak into that first round. Yeah, you had more faith in him than I did. Well, I, I think I just went off, you know, some of the, the reports that kind of leaked out that he killed the interviews. And things, yeah. and I, I just thought that in a year like this, where you don't really get to see these guys, you don't, they didn't get to really evaluate them other than off their college, you know, they're playing college. I thought, you know, why not go with the kid from Kentucky? And then two, uh, you know, Kenny Payne's there in New York, and you're kind of wondering, you know, Leon Rose too. You know, John Calipari's probably been making phone calls to people, and I'm sure that that helped too. Uh, but but overall, it was a really good night. Uh, I, before, before we get into this too deep, though, Derek, I want to make sure that we get the Butcher's Pub ad in here soon, sooner today, especially with the restrictions and, re- and everything that's going into place yeah. Friday. Uh, so make it out to the Butcher's Pub in Pineville, Kentucky, Williamsburg, Kentucky. There'll be no in-person dining in the state of Kentucky for three weeks, but the Butcher's Pub, both locations, will be doing uh, takeout and curbside pickup. So get out to both of those locations. You can get all those delicious menu items, that buffalo chicken sandwich. Derek, you better believe I'll be pulling up to the Butcher's Pub a couple times a week probably to take out that buffalo chicken sandwich. But you can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook for more information. Uh, But, Derek, you know, staying on the topic of the NBA draft, uh, I think the coolest thing to come out of last night was the FaceTime calls between Cal and the players. That's the first time we'd ever got to see that. And you could tell that that was something that, you know, UK had planned to do. Uh, The emotion on Nick Richards' face, I think it was like 35 seconds of a FaceTime call, and I think the only thing he said was thank you because he was crying so hard. And then here I am at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, why am I crying? Like, But it, it it just ripped me to the core to know how hard that he worked. And honestly, Derek, people said he sucked two years ago. And now here he is. An NBA draft pick. Very wholesome. 
those videos. Um, really happy for Nick. I mean, he is, he's one of those guys who you saw the improvement and not to, I mean, I guess I think it's fair game to use him as an example. Like someone like EJ Montgomery didn't want to stick through and try to have a thing like Nick had. Um, Nick was in a very similar spot to EJ last year. There's no chance Nick Richards would have been picked had he left last season. Instead, he came back, developed his game, um, was a guy that UK played through in some games. I mean, they don't beat Louisville last year unless Nick Richards plays the way he did. No, they probably and, lose to Vandy too. <laughs> yeah. They, they lost the game to Florida at the end of the year. He had a bad first half and then picked it up in the second half. Um, he was a great story. Quickly, yeah, um, you know, that's going to be – it wasn't a very strong draft, and I'm not trying to knock quickly at all. It's just I don't think a lot of years he would have been – I think he's definitely a draft pick. I think he's a guy who's going to have a shot to stick in the league and do, to get that second contract. Um Max at 21 is a steal, though. I mean, I, I don't think there were 20 kids better than him. And I had it teed up. I thought for sure whenever he got down to Miami, which I don't even know like, what the team needs are for these teams. I'm not going to act like I do. Because um, I actually kind of like the, the uh, pick that Miami had with uh, the kid from Memphis. I thought he'll probably fit in pretty well down yeah. there. But uh, it would have been cool to see uh, another they, UK guy down there at Miami, though. They needed forwards yeah. in Miami. I mean, they're stocked with guards and stuff. But – I think Maxi is a kid that would have probably climbed had they had an NCAA tournament because I think he would have had a moment or two in the NCAA tournament on that big stage. You know, big game Maxi. I mean, we we got to see it. Do you think his shooting percentage? I mean, I don't know. I think you got to look at the stats. I don't know if it's everything, but I mean, he was a pretty poor shooter from three, and he's got a little bit of a different release. Do you think that scared teams off or no? Honestly, I, I think that. His three-point percentage, it surprised me, put it that way. I watched him yeah. in high school. I watched him – I mean, I covered Derek 18 to 19 of his EYBL games, and he never shot the ball as poorly as he did at Kentucky from three. Like, I, I was surprised at that. Um, I don't know exactly what played into that. I know he, he certainly had the ball in his hands a lot less. I mean, shots came off the ball more than on the ball. He had the ball in his hands all the time in high school. And, I mean, that changes things. That changes your approach and, you know, your rhythm and how you're used to playing. But I do think that that may be played a factor. His low release point on a shot, his release is pure. It just comes out with a trajectory that's lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he's in a good spot. You saw the video of Doc Rivers. He said, I like I like Maxie. You know, then tough kid. So I think that he's in a good spot there. Uh, pretty cool moment for him, though. You know, LeBron James congratulating him last night, which they're both with Clutch Sports and everything there with that agency. Uh, back to the Emmanuel Quickly thing, you know, and what you were saying, you know, about the draft being weaker. I think that's why it was so important for Emmanuel Quickly to leave now, just because it, that's yeah, the thing point. that you have to look at. Yeah. Because you can't just look at and say, well, he should come back. Well, if he comes back, he's probably not the 25th pick, even with a better wow. year or the same year this year, because the draft is going to be better. I mean, look at the names that's going in next year's draft. I mean, you got well from Kentucky alone. You got Boston and Clark who are right there on the perimeter that's going to be drafted higher. I mean, there's that's the thing that you have to look at. And then, two, uh, I said that I was confident that the three that got picked would be the three that would get picked. I didn't see a path for Ashton Hagens to get picked, uh, Nate Sestina or E.J. Montgomery, Derek, but all three of those are getting opportunities. How about Nate Sestina getting an, an opportunity? I think it's with Brooklyn. Uh, Hagens, yes. the two-way deal with Minnesota, and then E.J. this morning, I think, with the Bucks. 
Uh, no Khalil Whitney, though, that I've seen anything. Have you seen anything no. from the Khalil Whitney side? I've not seen any on Khalil Whitney either. And going back to your point, I mean, about the draft next year, you've already got two guys from the top five of the 2020 class who were playing, going the pro route with Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. And that's not even including a guy like Kate Cunningham, who actually went to college, who a lot of people have as the number one pick next year. So you're right. Next year's class, as of now on paper, does seem to be way better. And, just, you know, we don't have to dig, in, dig into it too much. But the role that Emmanuel played for Kentucky last year was not going to be the same role this year uh, on, on a wing. I mean, not when he had Clark and, and Boston. He probably would have been playing much more. He would have been playing. You know, if quickly comes back, he probably don't add Davion Mance. But he would be playing a different role. You're right. It made all the sense in the world. And then, for sure, it seemed like those Kenny Payne connections well, helped get him to New York. I mean, you have to strike when the iron's hot, too. I think that's the thing. You have to well, – let's let's give this comparison on the coaching side of things. We talked about this on the Mark Stoops thing yesterday. You kind of have to take advantage of the hot streak, you know, if you do yeah. take an opportunity. It's the same thing for these players when it comes to going to the league or playing professionally. Uh, let's say that this is Quickly's only contract and he doesn't make it in the NBA. He's a first-round draft pick. He's got guaranteed money right there. Yeah. That's the thing that you have to look at. And I think it was absolutely the right decision. Uh, I, I know one thing. Next year, I don't know if I'm going to mute Woj and Shams, uh, but also I can't keep up with anything. Like you're like, all right, they're going to the Thunder, and then as soon as I hit tweet, boom, it's been traded, and I'm like, my goodness. So then I have to go back and backtrack. I mean, it, it's hard to keep up with everything. I don't yeah, know how I'm they do. The opposite. I don't. I don't watch the draft. I watched it for a minute, but I basically only followed it through Twitter. So that's how I see it, and you're right. I I'd actually I was on um I was on duty for uh, Hagens, who of course went undrafted, but also quickly. And by the time I published that quickly was drafted by the Thunder, he'd already been traded. <laughs> so you go in and change the story right away. But it is, I guess it is Sean, the one thing, kind of the last topic I want to hit on with this, and just have a little discussion about it. I texted you last night, and I texted you at a time that no one had been picked yet, so it changed a little bit throughout the night but let's just let's just do some discussion right here some i think some fair analysis as i pull up our text messages this is what i said to you five stars tyrese maxi Khalil whitney and do whatever you want with whitney i know he had a weird deal where he just left basically for no reason ashton hagans ej montgomery Emmanuel quickly and nick richards all five star guys none of them went in the top 20 picks so Kind of the point I want to make is this is a down year for the draft. And at the same time, where you've got to tip your hat, is UK still tied with every other school for the most picks, even in a down year. Um, and Cal's track record speaks for itself. So this is not a criticism of Cal or the program. I just think the thing I want to say is that in other episodes with this recruiting class, we've talked about multi-year guys targeting more guys like that to build rosters. This this is what I'm talking about, this, this example this year. You had – Still not the two first-round guys, but they were a little bit later than normal. But you had probably the most lopsided turnover roster outside of, what, like the 2015 team that almost won a national championship one undefeated. This team was a, was a good team, 25-6, and six, but you lose all those guys, and only three of them get picked. I, I just don't know what to make of that. Yeah, that that's hard. That's hard to follow. That's hard to read and everything, too, with – it is interesting that you have you all two those starters who don't even get picked. Yeah, and Hagen's and Montgomery. And yeah, and two. I mean, honest, and honestly, though, when you when you look at it, though, 
I mean, what did E.J. Montgomery do to get picked, like, in that situation? Uh-huh. But but he was obviously good enough to start at Kentucky. And then you look at Duke, too. They didn't have anything in the lottery portion of the draft. And they had, you know, former five-star guys, too. Vernon Carey slips to 32, I think. And uh, Trey Jones is there, comes back for another year. And he's low. I, it's hard to look at. I think I think I look at on the other side of this. Where were some of these guys projected coming out of high school, even though they were five stars? Emmanuel quickly wasn't on a draft board, was he? That I remember last uh, year, or even in going into his freshman year. I don't think was he on any projections. Uh, yeah, it's hard for me to remember back that far. So I mean, he's certainly yeah. He was. I would say five, Higgins for sure was. I would about yeah, guarantee. Higgins yeah, that's probably. my that that would be my guess of the two. I think we knew that Nick Richards. Five star ranking was based off potential, and you know what? Obviously, he dominated in high school given his size. Uh, no, and that's where there needs to be some nuance because after we saw how Richard's career played out, just for him to get drafted is actually a win, I think, for him well, and for Kentucky. Well, that's what I was going to say too. I, I mean, I think you can look and there's going to be the side that says, you know, how did Cal not have, you know, a lottery pick out of all those five stars? Like, why would you go to Kentucky? Well, then I think you look at the Emmanuel quickly and Nick Richards' draft positions. I don't think you pay as much attention to Maxi sliding to 21. Uh, I think you look at the other two and think, okay, these two weren't even on draft boards when the year began last year, and they developed into NBA draft picks, one a first-round pick. Uh, two, we haven't even talked about Nick Richards going to play with P.J. Washington and Charlotte. I mean, that's kind of cool, those two being reunited. And I think that's the cool side of this, To Nick was the – Look at all the guys that Nick had to watch go out the door before him. His entire freshman class gone. Uh, the other, even the freshman coming in the next year, Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson, all of them, boom, out the door. And then here he is. He gets to reunite with uh, with PJ in Charlotte. I think it's a good spot for him. I honestly, I just think it was a very good night overall. At first, I was feeling the same thing. I was like, Derek, you know, like. What is what kind of night is this going to be? You know, Cal's probably glad he wasn't sweating it out in a green room somewhere yeah. with Tyrese Maxey. But at the same time, it ended up being a very good night, I think, for the program because you had those stories of now Cal can say, hey, like you don't have to leave after one year. You can come back. You don't have to leave after two. You can still get drafted. I think that was the biggest thing is it wasn't a failure, the Nick Richards project or with Emmanuel Quickly. No, I mean, you make good points. And like I said, it's not a criticism of the program. It's just um... – I do know there's a segment of the fan base for sure who hate the roster turnover to this extent, but I've always thought people were cool with the roster turnover if it meant wins and losses. And this year's team went 25 and six. Of course, they didn't get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. Had they gone on a deep run, perhaps it wouldn't have been as big of a thing. And also, with the draft this year taking place in November, I mean we're six days away from the new team playing. So had this been in June or I think, yeah, June or July, whenever the regular draft is, perhaps it would have been a bigger storyline. It, it would have been. Guys fell. Yeah. And to now, you can already just go ahead and turn the page. Um, you're right. Be happy for for Richards, happy for quickly. But, like, I just I just wonder about a kid like Hagans who, I mean, he, he still has a chance to stick. But when you look at this roster, like, would you even want him back for this team? Well, That's, like, the thing that. It's just a weird – it was a weird team last year, I think, Here. in terms of – and it, it really fit the profile, too, of the guys Some in some cases. I think Hagens and Montgomery, no doubt, guys who were just going to leave no matter what. Well, no here, matter how that turned out, they were gone. Well, well that's, that's what I'm going to say. Like, here's the thing. Like, with a guy like Hagens and E.J. Montgomery, 
you know, is it looked at as it was Kentucky's fault that they didn't live up to their billing and their ranking from high school when it comes to being drafted? Or is it, you know, other outside factors? Here's E.J. Montgomery, who was ahead of Zion Williamson at one point, you know, in recruiting <laughs> in recruiting class rankings. Uh, so I think everybody instantly thought, you know, that meant that that kid's going to be great. And he never really found it. And there were talks last year, Derek, he wanted to leave after his freshman year, which made absolutely no sense. So you knew coming into this year that regardless of what he did, he was done. And I think that's the thing. Like, does he, if he comes back and has a similar year to what Nick Richards does, maybe he finds himself in the second round of a draft. Maybe he just misses out of high school. And I know it sounds crazy because Ashton was like a two-time SEC defensive or first-team all-defense or whatever. But – you're right. You can look at guys like Hero, Shea, um, quickly. I think I would even include quickly to some extent in that group of guys who probably overplayed their expectations and ended up benefiting from being at Kentucky, whereas even being at UK couldn't save a guy like Hagan who had so many limitations to his game. But he's going to try to carve it out either way. Montgomery, I, Sean, I'm just going to be blunt. I see no path ever for him no, to the NBA. I don't. So, also, so I mean, that's – like, but he's also a kid though who like Hagen's. I can almost understand not coming back just because what he is is what he is. I don't know if he's going to be able to shoot it at a much no. better clip, and if he can just dedicate his life full time to basketball, maybe oh. that is his best chance. But EJ, EJ could have. I just, I just kind of worry about him if he's he's gonna have a hard time. I think sticking to professional basketball. Nate Sestina has a better chance of sticking in the NBA than E.J. Montgomery. And that's where I was going to go with, you know, my closing point is you see this, you know, we're talking about this change in college football that you have to win, you know, now with an explosive offense, you have to have it. Well, when it comes to being drafted in the NBA, they look at a couple of things. They, They look at your ability to stretch the floor, your ability to score the basketball, and then if you're a guy like Nick Richards, your length. And I, I just think that those are the things. And, you know, Nick, too, at his position can step out and shoot the ball. Like, those are things that you have to be able to do. Ashton Hagens cannot shoot the ball. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Like, I don't care what he does in a gym alone by himself. I watched it for two years at Kentucky. He was a liability on that end of the floor. He took a lot of bad shots. And at a position where you're expected to have a high IQ and kind of be the leader, I think he made a lot of bad decisions on and the floor. He's not really like a freak athlete either. He's I mean, not. Like, he – I mean, he had a couple of dunks and stuff this past season, but other than that, there were times that we didn't really see him play above the rim at any point, and that's kind of what you have to do at that position now. And then EJ just became a guy that, you know, fed off second-chance opportunities, like he'd put get putbacks and stuff. There wasn't a whole lot of offense being run through him. Uh, I just think that that's what it comes down to. I, I, you know, of course, they're going to take Ashton Higgins every single time. He's a top point guard. But yeah, a guy, a guy like Tyler Hero – a guy like Tyler Hero that was a four-star guy but was offensively skilled, those guys project better than it doesn't even matter what rankings is. Like you look at it and, you know, Tyler Hero figured out how to score the basketball and then he improved enough defensively to get himself drafted at that position in the lottery. Yeah, let's just think about this last thing I want to say about it, I guess. I mean, I can remember even like probably in February – of the season, like there was still a discussion, will Emmanuel come back or will he not? And like, I guess with Ashton, since it was just assumed he was going to leave, I mean, no one even discussed Ashton really coming back. And then for quickly to go 25th and for Hagen's not even be picked at all, it kind of makes me laugh at myself. And I guess some of the other people who I think we all kind of <clears throat> will talk like that though. 
You're we did. We can and I think that I don't think that we thought Emmanuel Quickly was a first round pick though. I don't think any of us saw it because even though he put up those stats and he was SEC player of the year and he constantly led Kentucky, it didn't it didn't in my mind, I don't think it ever clicked that he was gonna be drafted in the first round because what we were going off of was, you know, well he doesn't measure out or he doesn't check out enough check off enough boxes to break into the first round. But then again, I mean these guys are hearing stuff before they ever put their name in the draft. They get feedback. And I think that's the thing. Cal said he liked his feedback. It's good feedback. He's in a good spot. Uh, so he took it. You know, Emmanuel's a smart a smart kid. I think Emmanuel probably thought about coming back. But then again, like, like you said, you can't live up to, like, even if he had the same season, he probably gets drafted lower just given the draft. And then, two, he would have had to play point guard. And that was the thing, though, that everybody yeah. said they wanted to see from him was playing point guard. Obviously not. I mean, he he done enough at that two spot. He he shoots the ball well, Derek, and he spaces the floor, and that's what fits the NBA today. If you can do that and not be a liability on the defensive end, I think that there's a, a path for a lot of guys to find minutes it in the it feels like a guy to me that the Knicks need to be patient with a little bit, and two or three years from now, it could really pay off for him. It could. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be a big-time starter. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to be a 15- to 20-point-a-game scorer, but I think that he could have a 10- to 12-year NBA career and play quite a bit of minutes. You said it. That's what I was literally about to say that. I mean, he's a guy who, if he finds his role, he could play 12 years in the league and never be a superstar. I mean, there, there's room for guys like that in the NBA. Just know who you are. And uh, I guess for Emmanuel, I guess the big thing, and I thought he got a lot better at it last year, but defense, I mean, that's a big adjustment for anybody who – Emmanuel, what did he measure at, like 6'3", probably, something like that? Yeah, and, and, I, and I'll tell you another thing too, Derek, and I know that Cal's offense gets hammered from time to time because it looks like it's, you know, a stall out, uh, but it takes time to progress through it in the half court with their circle set. And this is another – example of a kid coming to Kentucky who played with the ball in his hands his entire high school career and that's why you had the freshman struggles like he Mm -hmm. he wasn't used to it and then you put him in the sophomore and he learns how to read coming off screens you know whether to flare whether to curl whether you know to pop on those pin downs and you got to see him work in that setting and he he became a very very high IQ basketball player on the offensive end this season with getting himself open that quick release and, you know, knocking down shots. And I think that that's the thing. Like, sure, maybe as a fan you're kind of watching the shot clock tick down and Kentucky taking shots with four or five, six seconds on the shot clock a lot of times. But that's NBA basketball. Like, you see it. It's it's not, you know, just motion all the way through continuity offenses in the NBA. It is pin downs and reading how to come off screens. And that's what Emmanuel quickly done very well. That's what Tyler Hero done very well. Devin Booker, the list goes on and on. And you see that, that that's why they keep running that offense is it prepares these guys for the league. All right, Sean, I'm going to ask you one more question, and then I'm not going to close it out. I'll do our uh, our out or whatever the outtake or whatever you want to call it for this one. So I'm not even going to comment on it. I'm just going to ask you about it. This time, well, probably not this time next year, but in the 2021 NBA draft, how many U.K. guys do you think get selected, and how many of those guys are in the first round? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Hold on. Okay, let's see here. I think B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, Isaiah Jackson all go first round. I think that those are the three first-round picks. And then I think that Olivier Saar will be a second-round pick. 
That's that's the guys I'm going with. I think that's the only guys that get picked off this team. Four draft picks. Four draft picks. So you got to ask you coming back. I got to ask you coming back. Mints going the undrafted route. I'm yep. go. I like it. I like it. I'm not gonna like I said. I'm not gonna comment on it. Um, but like Sean said at the beginning, the new restrictions going in place Friday for restaurants. Please get out to the butcher's pub. Any of your favorite local restaurants. I'm a big fan of Shamrocks here in Lexington. I'm gonna get out there this weekend. Do what you can to support small businesses. This is a hard time for everybody, especially yes. a hard time for them. And stay but, safe. And stay safe. We're, we're glad you listened to us today. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with Mailbag Friday. So get your mailbag questions in. We'll probably spend most of the episode tomorrow talking about football, the game at Alabama on Saturday, and also uh, Big Blue Madness won't happen until late. So we probably won't discuss it, but perhaps we will in our post-game episode tomorrow. But this is Kentucky Daily. I'm Derek Terry. He's Sean Smith. And we'll be back tomorrow. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.